Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 975 of the Juicebox podcast. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Amy in an After Dark episode. Amy's been type 1 for over 25 years. She's in her mid-30s, and she was diagnosed right before her 10th birthday. Amy's story is so unique that I don't know how to explain it to you in just a couple of seconds. I do have a note here that I received from Amy the other day. She asked me if I would read it into the podcast. Normally, I do that at the end, but I think I'm going to read this one right after these initial ads, and then we'll let her story unfold. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Today's episode is going to deal with anxiety, depression, uh, cutting, growing up in a unique situation um, that I might consider to be cultish. It's hard to hard to exactly. Anyway. You'll you'll see. I don't know. I'll let you decide. If you're looking for community around diabetes, check out the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. And to keep up with the show proper, Juicebox Podcast, the public page on Facebook. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by two companies that have been in this house for a very, very long time. First, Omnipod, makers of the Omnipod 5 and the Omnipod Dash. You can get started today or even take a test drive at my link, omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. The podcast is also sponsored by Dexcom. Arden's worn a number of different Dexcoms over the years. Right now, she's wearing the G7. You could too. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Dexcom, Omnipod, and all the sponsors. Okay, now I recorded with Amy months ago. But this note is from yesterday, and I told Amy I would read it to you in its entirety. It says, Hey Scott, I wanted to write this follow-up note to encourage those that are battling with their mental health, substance abuse, and making difficult life decisions. After we recorded our podcast, I continued to abuse alcohol. Rather than addressing my pain, I was using alcohol to numb my feelings and mask the real problem. In May, I stopped taking antidepressants and realized that this too was another numbing agent I was ready to stop using. There is no shame in needing and taking medication that helps you through a difficult time, but I saw that that time for me was over. One night in June, I was struggling. I got drunk and self-harmed by burning. When I woke up hungover the next morning with fresh scars on my leg, I finally acknowledged that I had to stop. Enough was enough. I couldn't let my past trauma continue to define my life. I stopped drinking on June 28th, and I have not had alcohol since then. I recognized that I have been struggling in my relationship and realized I was buzzed for a good portion of it. I was drinking every single night. When I finally came out of the antidepressants and then the alcohol, it really cleared my mind. My ex-boyfriend is a good man, and I am so thankful that I met him when I did because he walked with me through a dark time in my life. One of the hardest decisions that I've made was saying goodbye to him. I started weekly therapy sessions, which I am such an advocate for. I exercise daily, and I just ran the distance of a half of a marathon. I changed my diet, and I've continued not drinking. I have found that when your mind is at peace, the body falls into line. For so long, I felt like I was drowning. Finally, I have a clear mind, 
and I am learning to regulate my emotions rather than letting the pain and trauma define and control me. Sometimes the place you're used to being is not the place you belong. As I have begun to love myself, I have seen that my emotional trauma has been a sign that I was living against my own truth. It takes courage to change, and the first step of change is to become aware of your own bullshit. This has been really difficult, but so worth it. To anyone who is struggling with their mental health, it does get better. It is not an easy battle, but it is so worth it to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And some days, that is all you can do. Don't settle for just good enough. Make it a priority to put yourself first, both mentally and physically. I have become not only an advocate in my diabetes care, but an advocate for my mental health and wellness. I've learned to focus my energy, not on fighting the old, but building a new me. Finally, I am seeing Amy shine through, the Amy I thought that I lost for good. She is back and better than ever. Thank you for everything you do, Scott. The podcast has helped me more than you will ever know, and I am very grateful for you putting the time and energy into it. You're such a gift. Thank you, and I know we will talk again soon. Best, Amy. All right, I'm going to start the episode, and you can all find out how Amy got to where she is now. Hi, Scott. I'm Amy, and I am, I've been a type 1 diabetic for the past 26 years. Actually, this last Sunday was my anniversary, so wow. it'll be 26 years. 26 years. How old are you? I am 35. I'll be 36 in a few months. Mm-hmm. So you were what, like? Nine or ten when you got diagnosed? Yeah, it was right before it was right before my tenth birthday. Okay. Uh twenty six years ago. Yeah. Yep. It's been a long time. Ninety ninety eight? Ninety ninety six. Ninety six. Okay. Yeah. When you jump over the zero, sometimes my brain doesn't go far enough. That's okay. I was like, I'll try to figure all the math stuff out before the podcast so Scott doesn't have to like I don't know. I think I'm getting better at it because of this. I, you know, I think you are too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 26, you're 35 now, you were 10 when you were diagnosed, 26 years. Okay, I'm going to start with you different, a little differently. I'm going to kind of do you backwards. So okay. um, why did you want to come on the podcast? Um, I think I had sent you an email and I just was thanking you because I had been kind of going going through it. And so I just was, I listen. I listened to you more than I listened to the person in my head. <laughs> so you're always running in our house. Like I have it. I wake up in the morning. I turn the podcasts on. I do a lot of walking. I turn the podcasts on. I come home, I'm cooking dinner. So it's just something that's always running in my house. <laughs> Wait, what other voices in your head? Oh, myself. (laughs) You know the little voice that's like, whatever it tells you, whether it's good or bad. (laughs) So we spoke about this, Arden, and Arden brought this up last year, and we talked about it forever, about whether, how, how you hear your internal monologue. Right. And some people hear a voice and some people don't. Did you know that? Yeah. I I didn't realize that. Yeah, I don't hear a voice. I think in, I can't even describe to you how I think. Isn't it strange? Like, hold on, I'm going to practice for a second. You do the same thing. <laughs> We're going to both think about a red tractor plowing a field. Okay. Go ahead, do that. Think about it. How does it happen to you? Do you hear a voice say there's a red tractor plowing a field? I see a video. Yeah, I see. I, I see images and then I can hear the farmer <laughs> talking. 
so that I can't hear voices or sound. I see I see the tractor. I picture a tractor from my childhood, and it's moving across the field because that's what I told it to do. And yeah. it there's no color in mine, and it's kind of um, for people who use a like a, a Photoshop or something. The opacity is low. Like the the video I see is like at fifty percent. Like I can almost see through the images, and that's okay. It. But I don't hear it once people like I don't hear the tractor. I don't hear rustling. I don't hear anything like that. And when people talk, I don't hear any talking. Okay, I see a, a super clear video. It's a Massey Ferguson. It's it's bright red. Um, I can see a video like the images in my mind, and you know, and then you think of. I guess it's like thinking of something else you've seen or heard or watched, mm-hmm. so you can hear the farmer like yelling or doing whatever he's doing i can hear people in my dreams no oh, i definitely do that yeah i like, actually had a dream about you right like last week let's not talk about that yet <laughs> uh, i'll write that down if, if things go really well i'll bring it up later yeah i i don't know so okay so but you don't think you have like a like a problem you shouldn't be talking to somebody or something like that right? like, the, like skits no, the no voice i think i'm telling, okay <laughs> voice isn't telling you to like put a cat in a bag or anything like that and nothing weird no, okay not, not at this time not, this, not currently all right so so you listen to the podcast a lot um yeah. and it i mean you've had diabetes for a long time when did you start listening okay so this is crazy because I have been doing, I've been working with Jenny at Integrated Diabetes for, I'd say about six years, maybe longer. Okay. I'm trying, I was looking on my Amazon cart because I bought Gary's book, Think Like a Pancreas. Mm -hmm. And that was around the time that I had um, started, I want to, 2017, 18, 19, 21, 22, 20, I think it was 2017-ish. Okay. And so I had been working with her. She never brought it up. And then, of course, in my emails with her, she has this long list of like, uh, what an amazing person and how smart she is. And I didn't ever see. (laughs) Is that what you think of when you see her email signature? Yes. She's like. She'd be horrified. She would be horrified. (laughs) Oh, my God. She'd be horrified if she knew you thought that. (laughs) No, I know. I know. So it says Juice Juice Box Podcast. And so I had. Uh, started listening to podcasts when I was just struggling and needed to fill fill that monologue with something else. Mm-hmm. And so I had found um, some different ones, non-diabetic related, really liked them. And then I was like, man, well, it would be amazing to have a podcast that has, you know, diabetes related material. So I started looking and subscribed to a few and was just like, this is not like, I'm not that into this. And, you know, listened to one and then was like, yeah. And so I came across yours, mm-hmm. really liked it, download, you know, subscribed to it. And then I was like, wait, what the? Jenny is on this? <laughs> like, no way. And so then I asked her about it and she's like, oh, yeah, um, I do those with Scott. And I was like, Jenny, you've been holding back on me all these years. <laughs> So I had to get caught up like a little quicker than everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) 
I have to say, you were so close to using a line from Forrest Gump that I would have made the title, but then you didn't say, that's my Jenny. So uh, (laughs) She is. She is my Jenny. Okay, so to to expound on that, Mm -hmm. I have... So she's been working with me for seven years. She is, and I know she'll, she's like, I'm going to listen to the podcast. I'm like, oh, great. (laughs) But she's, she's an amazing person and try not to get emotional, but she's really been there for me during some hard times. And she just is so, she's so thoughtful and kind and then very practical at the same time. Like, well, you probably should do this or you probably should like take care of this. Like let's pick out of the like 900 things that you've written an email to me about. Let's pick four to work on. Please, please keep doing your Jenny impression whenever she comes up. <laughs> okay. You're, you're, <laughs> I'm going to say something crazy. Your Jenny impression sounds like Colonel Potter doing an impression of Father Mulcahy on MASH, which is a no way a oh. reference you're going to understand. <laughs> oh, no, I know what MASH is. Oh, okay. I haven't watched much of it, but I know what it is. <laughs> keep keep up with Whenever you go to Jenny's voice, please go to that. Um, okay. <laughs> so, okay. So you, let's talk about what gets you to Jenny. Is it, I mean, you said hard times. What does hard times mean? Well, what got me to Jenny was actually my dad. So we um, live in a very uh, small rural town in northern, northern, northern California. And the nearest, I don't know, growing up, we went to UCSF for all our endocrinologist appointments and anything diabetes related. And so we aren't near anything. And once I graduated from UCSF, I didn't have an endocrinologist and I was working with my PCP and he, at the time, he actually was a type one diabetic. I had a primary Mm -hmm. care that had type one, which was really cool, you know, but very old, very old school diabetic, like, (laughs) you know, and so I was for a while without an endocrinologist. I don't have an endocrinologist at this point. So I had just been kind of not struggling, like it wasn't horrible, but I'm definitely not, I'm definitely doing better now. Mm -hmm. And so my dad ended up finding integrated diabetes and he goes, well, Amy, I will pay for this if you want to try it out. And I was very skeptical, skeptical, like, great. Like what's a video chat with someone going to do? That's not going to help. And it, it's been incredible. My A1C now is at 5.8. Wow. She, the last six months I started doing the DIY looping. I've been on the Dexcom since I think 2012. I started on the G4 mm-hmm. when it was, the, that was one of the newer ones. I wrote in my email that I'm on the G7, but I'm not. I'm on the, I'm on the G6 currently. <laughs> As we're recording this, G7 only been out for five days. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Correct. And I just had an appointment with Catherine at Integrated and she's like, are you going to try to get that? And I said, I, don't, I, I, I would like to, but I'm, I'm, you know how things are working and you don't want to like screw it up with like, whether that's insurance or like just karma, like I do not want to <laughs> bleep up my orders. <laughs> so I like we'll just that you think that it, I like you think that it would mess up your karma if you updated your Dexcom. <laughs> 
Oh my God. Well, I have had so many issues with insurance where it's like, oh, we need to get this filled and oh, we'll have to talk to your doctor. And then you're just going back and forth, calling, calling insurance, calling the doctor's office, calling insurance, calling Dexcom. So I'm at a good point right now and I don't want to mess it up. Peter (laughs) that. Yeah. I I completely understand. I think, uh, I had a prescription sent for G7 before G7 ever came out. And so the next time Arden's, like, her order flips over, we'll get a G7 yeah. the next time. Uh, Very cool. But that's, I mean, I don't know when that is. I don't know how many. She's at school right now. I don't I don't know how many CGMs she has. And, yeah, you know, I'm, I'll, I'm waiting for the text message that says, I only have one G6 left. I'm like, oh, where was that text when you had two left? <laughs> Right, uh, but she's pretty good about it. So she'll tell me when she's getting lower, and then I'll just have the next one sent to her. But I take your point. Like you, when things are working, it, it's a tough balance, right? Because things are working, and you don't you don't want to rock the boat, and at the same time, you don't want to wake up like ten years from now and like you know somebody's wearing the Dexcom, I don't know, G twenty four. Right. Wait, not yeah. G twenty four is like that conference about. Let, let's skip that. G22. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, uh, wait, no, wait. The conference is the G8. What am I thinking of? I don't know. I don't know, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> well, they ping can't... pong, ping pong. Oh, hold on. The Intergovernmental Group of 24 on the International Monetary Affairs and Development, or Group of 24, was established in 1971 as a chapter of the Group of 77 in order to help coordinate. What the hell? Anyway, I knew G24 was a thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, you just don't want to get to the point where you're like, you know, like imagine if you were using a Dexcom G4 right now. You'd, yeah. You'd be missing out. But that's not what you're talking about. You'll update as things. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I hear you. So before Jenny, what was your A1C? It was a little higher. So I, when I was diagnosed, it was in, it, I think it was like 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. And I was... I was in the like, I don't know, nines at one point, and then I got it down lower into the eights, then I got down, so probably was in the sevens, maybe like high sevens when we started. What was going on that you're, you and your father were talking about it and that he offered to, like, he's like, here, I'll pay for basically, I mean, concierge, you're basically getting... Yeah. Yeah. You know, so thousands and thousands of dollars that he's taking care of for somebody to talk to you and go, put your thing here and do this and try that. So, but what makes that? I think, I think the biggest thing is my dad, because both my brother and I are type one diabetics. Mm -hmm. And so my dad is just so supportive of us and, you know, wanting us to live healthy and long lives. And I don't even know. I think he just was on Google and he was looking at stuff and I probably was complaining about it at the time. Mm -hmm. And so some, I think he read an article. That's usually how he finds stuff. (laughs) So he read an article and then he's like, oh, this website, why don't you take a look at this? And I, at the beginning, it was so funny because now I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have that emotionally and diabetes wise. (laughs) Does your brother, does your brother see Jenny? He does not. So he's, it's, it's hard because I actually had yesterday, Monday morning was a holiday and I get a call from my dad and he's like, I declined it because we were in bed. And then he calls again and I'm like, shit. And so he sends me a text, call me now. 
So I call him and he's like, John's boss is trying to get a hold of him. He went to the house. His work car's still there. He couldn't get inside. No one's answering. He's not answering his phone. Now let's talk about the Dexcom G7. The Dexcom G7 is a small and wearable continuous glucose monitoring system. It sends real-time glucose readings to your Dexcom G7 app or the Dexcom receiver. Use my link, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to learn more and get started today. You will be able to effortlessly see your glucose levels and where they're headed. This way you'll be able to make better decisions about food, insulin, and activity. Once you're able to see the impact that those variables have on blood sugar, you'll begin to make more purposeful decisions and have better outcomes. My daughter has been wearing a Dexcom my daughter has been wearing a Dexcom product for so many years, I don't even remember when she started. But today she wears the Dexcom G7, and it is small and easy, and oh my goodness, are you going to love it. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. You can head there now and click on the button that will get you your free benefits check, or just hit that other button that says get started. When you use my links, you're supporting the production of the podcast. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. My daughter Arden has been wearing an Omnipod since she was four years old, and she is now 19. That is every day wearing an Omnipod for the last 15 years. I think what we love most about Omnipod is that it doesn't have any tubing. But, uh, I don't know. Is that the thing you love most about it? You don't have to take it off to swim or bathe. You can leave it on for activity and exercise. It's small. I don't, I mean, it's so easy to put on, right? To fill it and to put it on. It's just, it takes us no time at all. Um, yeah, I guess it's hard to figure out what my favorite thing about Omnipod is. I guess I'll just say that my daughter loves it. It's easy and it's worked for her for so many years. It's just such a friend in all of this. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. You can check your coverage there for your insurance uh, or Take a test drive, right? Would you like a free trial of the Omnipod? You can do that there as well. And you can just get started. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Now you have a decision to make. Do you want the Omnipod Dash, which is an insulin pump where you make all the decisions? Or do you want the Omnipod 5? Now the Omnipod 5 is the first and only tubeless automated insulin delivery system to integrate with the Dexcom G6. And it's available for people with type 1 diabetes ages 2 years and older. It features smart adjust technology, and it's going to help you to protect against highs and lows both day and night. That's an algorithm-based system, making decisions about insulin, giving it and taking it away. It's pretty damn cool. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. When you use those links, you're supporting the production of the podcast and helping to keep it free and plentiful. You know, and immediately I'm just like, yeah. And so I called his girlfriend. She didn't answer. She was at work and then gave her number to my dad. And I'm like, we're just going to go over there. I'm like, I'll break in if we have to. And so I grabbed the glucagon and I grabbed the soda and we started driving over there. My dad texts me the code to their front door. So I just barge into the house, go back to the bedroom. I didn't even knock. I was yelling. I didn't knock. I was yelling at this point, like, John, John, John. And so 
I walked in and he's in bed and he was like very like not very coherent and so I'm like are are you having a low and he's like gets up and he's kind of you know and I go you need to test now and he got up so I was like okay this mm. isn't like that bad and he ended up testing and he was really high so um he ended up you know just taking care of it. And then I, I didn't even stay very long to talk. I was just like, okay, we're, we're making sure you're okay. I go, you call dad, call your boss and let him know you're all right. right. And, and then I'm like, and probably want to let Sadie know too. And so he, anyways, he just got, he had gotten really high and he was, wasn't waking up. And we've had a couple of times where he's had some pretty bad lows, you know, both of us have, mm-hmm. But it just, it scares you. Yeah. Does it, do you and he have a relationship where you talk about this? A little bit. He, we're, life is just so busy and we do talk about stuff and I have been pushing on him. He's not on any, any devices. I'm like, get on the Dexcom, like out of anything that you could do for yourself, at least do that. Mm -hmm. And he's an electrician. So he's, you know, crawling under houses and in attics. And his whole thing is like, I just can't get it to stay on. And I'm like, well, that's bullshit because there are Olympic Olympic skiers and swimmers that wear them. So, you know, I, I think for him, it's, I don't know. I'm not sure why he fully won't try it. You know, he did the Libra at some point for a little bit, and he's like, I hated it, but I feel like the Dexcom is different. Did you ever did you ever approach it that way, the way he does, or have you always been trying but not as successful? Just to take care of myself? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, um, I've been pretty on top of it. I, I mean, obviously, so I was diagnosed in 96, and my dad ended up... Well, Google wasn't in 96, but he got on the internet and he looked it up and he goes, weight loss, uh, sweetness on the breath, extreme thirst, excessive thirst. And then he's like, Tracy, take her to the doctor right now. And so my mom ended up taking me to our pediatrician and they uh, did a, you know, they did a blood test and they're like, you need to go to the hospital right now. Mm. They, They told my mom. My mom's like, well, she hasn't eaten. Can I get her food? And they're like, take her to her last meal. <laughs> it's like the last supper. <laughs> <laughs> how much, how long after your diagnosis was your brother's? So two years later. And my parents, I had, I was hospitalized, but my dad was able to catch it earlier on with him. So he wasn't as high wasn't you know wasn't in dka mm-hmm. and they were able to just you know set up an appointment and and diagnose him and uh, without having to do the whole hospitalization and obviously they had two years of practice before they <laughs> right what 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 other I, i'm you know i was going to say are there any other, but I have a strong feeling. So what other autoimmune issues oh. are in your Oh family? my God, Scott. Oh my God. You're okay. Not, you're so. not going to beat the lady that I recorded with yesterday, but go ahead and try. Okay. Well, we always joke because my grandfather worked at Dow Chemical Company in Michigan and my dad's like, something went on there. <laughs> so my grandfather had multiple sclerosis. And this is on my dad's side of the family. My aunt has multiple sclerosis. My dad and I think 
two or three other sisters have hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. I have hypothyroidism. I have uh, two relatives on my mother's side that had type 2 diabetes. I'm pretty sure my mom has celiac, even though she hasn't had it tested, but it's, I Googled it and I'm like, mom, mom has celiac disease. So I actually got tested for that recently because I was just like, I kind of want to rule that out. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what else there. I think someone has rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. But you, so, you're just, and then you're just type one in thyroid. Type one in thyroid. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you do not beat the lady from yesterday. You don't even come close. So, um, she had se- uh, she had good. Se- she had seven. And, oh goodness! Yeah, and her herself. Yes, herself. Oh gosh! Yeah, mast cell activation, um, type one celiac. Oh gosh! Uh, thyroid, Raynaud's. Oh my goodness! I th- I'm missing one, but it was re- it was really uh, interesting conversation. Okay. Oh wow! So. I want to. I guess I want to go backwards a little bit. So you guys are diagnosed when you're pretty young. Your brother gets diagnosed after that. You're using are you using regular and MPH when you're first diagnosed. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So clear, clear before cloudy. I remember that. Mm-hmm. My my parents were drawing up our insulin. You know, at that point, but I pretty quickly was able to learn and draw up shots. And you know, parents. My parents would check it, but I had did a lot of hands-on. I'm very like, give it to me. I'll figure it out. I want to do it. Right. And I just wanted that. I wanted that freedom. I had a wedding in Washington that I was going to go to friends with, go with friends too. And my parents were like, well, you have to be able to change your set. Cause at that point I was on uh mini med 508. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I was like, okay, hey, bring it on. I'm going to do it. Right. I figure this out. I need I need yeah, to the leash to, a little longer. No, of course. How old were you when when that happened, when you went to that wedding? Do you remember? I think I was about 13. Okay. Yeah. Who did you know that was getting married? I, this doesn't matter, but now I'm interested. Oh, it was friends at, at one of the churches up in Washington that we knew. Okay. Okay. And so you kind of took over your care. And when do you trans... Well, you started regular and NPH, but didn't go too long because you moved to the mini med, right? How? Well, I was on the regular and NPH for a while. The mini med was like I think thirteen is when I started that. Okay, about th- about three years then. Yeah. Okay. How would you like characterize your care? Was it going well? It was going pretty good. Definitely, it's interesting listening to your episodes and just going like there was so much outdated information. Mm-hmm. You know, like the if you have a low fifteen carbs, wait fifteen minutes, test again, and there's been, you know, oh, you only need eight carbs, or you you don't even need that much. If you're looping and you see you enter those carbs, you're like, oh, that's worth insulin. Yeah, and so I think a lot of that was just the kind of the era, Mm -hmm. you know, and I wouldn't say it was, it wasn't like it is now my control, but it wasn't horrible. It was kind of like in the middle, like you do pretty good, you know, and it's hard to gauge that too. Cause you have like, Oh, I'm 120 at a meal. Awesome. Oh, I'm 145 at a meal. Well, what happened in between those two hours? You didn't know back then. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't know. So, but for that, for the standard of care, then, Everything was going well. Yeah. 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 And so then as you move forward, 
how does it happen? Like, how does, like, how do, how, how do we grow? Is it, is it that your doctor changes your expect his expectation or her expectation of you? And, and it's a number you're shooting for, or is, do you think it's just that they add newer and better technology and then things just norm? I mean, as a normal part of like, like, you know what I mean? Like you throw a Dexcom on somebody and, and put the range somewhere reasonable and, and they put some effort into it. Like they're going to meet that range. You, you know what I mean? Like they might not get to it right, but they're going to, at least they have a target all of a sudden, right? If they went from not having a right. target, not being able to see their blood sugar, what's happening between the 120 and the 145, at least now they can see it. Like, you know, I would say there's a couple of episodes in the podcast where it's talked about pretty specifically, but if you just lower your high alarm on your Dexcom, yep. your your time and range, you know, gets better, your variability gets better and your A1C goes down. Um, yeah. Like you, you and get, that's what I ended up doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when yeah. I started listening, I was like, oh, what? 120? Great. So when it says high, when the Dexcom Clarity comes in and it's like, hi, 11%, I'm like, oh, cool. That was like 134 and 148. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I know sometimes people put up things online. They're like, I was in range all day today. And then I look and their range is like yeah. 60 to Super 250. Wide. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, Okay. Uh, but if that gets them excited, then I think that's great, actually, because then they can kind of ratchet it down slowly. But yeah. do, but do you see what I'm saying? Like, did you just move along through technology and expectations? It's never really spoken, right? It just kind of happens. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think it's just a mixture of things. Like, you see things coming out on the market and, you know, someone tried it and mentioned it or the doctor mentioned it or... You know, you, I mean, not then, but now you see a commercial for a Dexcom, but I think it helped one that at the, after I graduated from my peds doctor to my regular doctor, that he was a type one and both my brother and I went to him. Mm -hmm. So that kind, that definitely helped. It was much, much more of a, like, I don't know. It's not the care that I'm getting from Jenny where it's like, we're not micromanaging, but we're like micro going into things and like going, okay, so if you're exercising and you want your number to be at this level and before you exercise, you're going to, you know, so we have all these like little things. It was a little more broad. Mm -hmm. And then he ended up uh, moving out of the area. And so I was looking for a primary care and I'm just like frantic, like, great, I need someone to give me an insulin prescription and ended up going into this doctor. And my first appointment with her was one of the most horrific, horrible experiences. She first at the time I wasn't sexually active and she's like, you need to get on birth control. And I was like, no, I actually, I really don't need to No, It is it is important as a diabetic that you get on birth control. You shouldn't have an unplanned pregnancy, blah, 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 blah. I don't need to get on birth control. And then she goes, are you a lesbian? <laughs> Wait, like 10 minutes <laughs> into this, you're like, okay. <laughs> I was just like, what? We're going to have to That's find That's what you doctor. got out of that? Yeah. <laughs> Thought that that would have been a bad thing, but I'm like, lady, what the heck? That's, and quite, then- a, that's quite a leap. Oh my God. And then she, she's sitting there and I'm like talking about stuff with her. This is our first appointment. And she goes, you know what? I don't think you're a type one diabetic. 
I think you're, I think you're a Modi diabetic. <laughs> and I'm just like, you are fucking insane. This is madness. And so I'm just you. like holding it together. Like, God, get me out of this appointment. I just like, let me get out the door. So they asked me and appointment ended and I was just like I can't I can't even talk she goes do you want to reschedule your next appointment I go you know I'm I'm gonna wait just a bit I'll call back yeah yeah right did you get a script I did not did you get a script no I didn't oh I would have got up and left in the middle (laughs) I probably I probably should have I was so upset I called my previous doctor and I just started crying (laughs) And he said the same thing. She's fucking insane. And I was like, thank you. Like, Why is it so hard? That's hilarious. After 20 years of having diabetes and someone's like, you're not a type 1 diabetic. You're a Modi. You're not a type 1 diabetic. You're a lesbian. <laughs> yeah. And that too. Yeah. That's the thing. My God. It was, it was How crazy. old were you when that happened? I was in my 20s and I was just like, shoot me, what am I doing? (laughs) And then I had a girlfriend who was a type 1 diabetic and she goes, oh, my doctor is taking patients and you should try to get in. And so I ended up getting in with him. Such a sweet guy. He's very, he's like, you remind me of my daughter. So it's very much like a father figure. Mm -hmm. I feel very comfortable with him. His knowledge of, you know, it's it's difficult because I don't want to judge doctors on their knowledge of diabetes, but a lot of people just don't understand it yeah. and, the, and the small ins and outs of it. And so I was very hands-on. He would be like, kiddo, you're doing a great job. Keep up what you're doing. And I'm like, geez, this is not helpful. <laughs> and so that was what led to my dad finding the integrated diabetes. I got you. Okay. So at that point, when that doctor's telling you, kiddo, you're doing a great job, where's your A1C then? I was probably in the sevens, I think. Yeah. So that doctor's just basically going on what the ADA says, and that number seems about right. And he's like, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. But did you know it wasn't, or did you feel like, no, I am doing great? No, I definitely didn't feel like that. I felt like there's definitely more room for improvement. I mean, Scott... I'm slightly a perfectionist. So if I'm, I have a very hard time just settling like, oh, something's good. I'm like, no, I want a Mm 5.5. We're going to get it down low. So I just, I I struggle with that and other things, just wanting it to be like, if it's not perfect, then just throw it out. And so I wasn't, you know, feeling like I was getting that perfection like I wanted. Did Once you got there... I mean, you have a 5.8 now. Once you got there, did that feeling go away? Like, this isn't enough? Oh, hell no. I, I It's more. There's more. <laughs> I can get it lower. I can do better. I can I have think less I can get my A1C stacking. in the negative number, Scott, if I try hard enough. <laughs> but So, I mean, when you look at a 5.8, what are you thinking? Like, I want to see a 5.4? A 5.5. Five, five. Five. That's, ne- that's my next goal. The other thing that I've been working on recently is just exercising and not having to eat either before, during, or after, maybe a little before. Being able to almost live like I don't have type type 1 diabetes, Mm -hmm. even though I'm like psychoanalyzing everything down to the minute. (laughs) I'm trying to pretend I don't have it while paying. Well, well, so, but I think that's important, right? The, The, everybody makes statements that are so black and white. 
right? Like it, it's always, everyone's always either or. It can never be both, right? Or, yeah. or a mixture or something. Just for some reason, I, I, I love this. I hate that. I, you know, 5.8 is, is not good. I want 5.5. Five. Uh, it 5.8 is great. And so 6.2. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like these are great A1Cs. And also, you know, your, your A1C is fairly heavily weighted towards what your blood sugars were like just prior to the A1C being drawn. Correct. Right. So, I mean, you could have one great week and roll in there and knock a couple, you know, decimals off if you, if you wanted. And that doesn't mean that your last nine months weren't, you know, five, seven, right. you know, so it's, but I, I take your point about being very focused on it, but does it overwhelm your life? I have occasional meltdowns. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are there like, other things going on, Amy, that we're not talking about? There, there, ha there definitely was, mm -hmm. I mean, and the fact that the fact that I'm still here now is kind of a big part of that. I had gotten into a relationship that was just, that ended up being really toxic. And I was not going to let it go. And it was affecting <laughs> Wait a minute. You my weren't, house. wait, 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 wait. What does that mean? You weren't uh, letting him out of it that easy? He was going to fix it? <laughs> well, I, so I, um. I had never, I didn't date growing up. Okay. So I grew up, I grew up in not quite like a, not a Mormon thing, but like, you know, we didn't date and people in our church community would, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't also, it wasn't like where people were pairing people up, but it was just uh, like, oh, I like her. Oh, why don't you guys get to know each other in a group setting? So it was like, I guess you'd call it like dating in a group. And so, which I was absolutely like, I don't need men in my life. Like, forget this. This is too much work. <laughs> Amy, when you said when you were at the new doctor and and you said you weren't sexually active, did you mean ever or at that time? Oh, never. Oh, I okay. <laughs> that I didn't I, take um, that way. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> the 31-year-old virgin. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make your own movie? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you live with someone now, yes? I do, yes. Okay. So I'm with, I'm currently with a boyfriend. Okay. And he's been my near new, all your parts and everything? He, he what? He's been near all your parts and everything? Oh, yep. Yeah, okay. All, all of them. <laughs> all of them? Is he over there? You're looking to your left. Uh, <laughs> no, not right no. now. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, so you... Oh, that's interesting. So did you grow up sheltered, do you feel, or no? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, so I had, I didn't, I didn't really even have a sex ed in school. We went to a private school. Mm -hmm. And so there were a lot of things just outside of that, that I was like, very oblivious to innuendos, like yeah. stuff. I'm like, I didn't know it meant that. <laughs> And people are like, "Oh God, keep your mouth closed." <laughs> so, did what, what were you particularly outside of it, even in your group, or did everyone that you grew up with kind of have the same vibe? Um, pretty much everyone had the same vibe in in the group I was in, and it was a good group of people. Mm -hmm. You know, I um, I really had some very close friends. I had my best friend, and I had been 
I think 30, 30 years, best friends for 30 years. So wow. we were like, Hey, this like isn't a, a sc- this isn't a cult, right? Oh God. People call it that. Okay. People do call it that. It's not, it's <laughs> okay. not, I wouldn't call it that. Okay. Well, you got so serious. But... I'm sorry. I just, so, but <laughs> no, like, okay. but you're rural, like you're rural, right? Like yeah. grow, growing up. Okay. Yeah. All right. And all right. So how does that affect, how, uh, how does that affect your mindset? Like how you attack things? Did it, do you think it makes you more like protective of yourself? Like less aggressive or outgoing or I'm not sure exactly what I'm asking, but oh, do you think no. you're nothing I like am, that? I'm very outgoing. I yeah. always have been, but I feel like just it, it made for a perfection. Like things have to be perfect. And I realized that not everyone is built this way. Right. And other people wouldn't do things quite as perfect. But I just felt like I never, like it was never enough. And I think that carried into all aspects of my life of just this, like, it could be better. If I if I had given an extra hour of practice to the piano, I could have learned that part. Or if I had done this for, I could have, if I had whatever, not is that the religion part? No. No. A, a little bit. I okay. think it's a little bit the religion part. I do. My dad's that same way. He's just very organized and uh, not a go-getter, but just like we're going to do this, we're going to get it done, we're going to do it really well. And so I just I have a personality <laughs> Of like a crazy perfectionist. You're just gonna get those things done. I mean, I just I'm trying to figure out like how you get to that point, but and I'm, I'm I don't know if there's a a correlation or not between like godliness and a heavenly outlook and perfection, and then you're sh- you're shooting to get there, and everything has to be on that path. Like I don't know. Like I'm just asking you. I don't. I a p- part of it is that I think just like we're supposed to be this act this certain way or do these things this way and like you feel like you're falling short or not doing good enough I think part of it did have to do with there were some very judgmental people that you know like what are you thinking what what are your thoughts on that like Mm -hmm. just kind of always feeling out where you're at making sure you're doing the right things Yeah, yeah like are you talking enough are you doing like are you in communion with people are you talking and and i think at that point it just made it made me a people pleaser 100 percent. just like i and my mom would get upset because she's like amy you say yes to everyone you need to say yes to yourself she's like you'll tell so and so you'll watch their kids that night and so and so you'll watch their kids that night and then you have a practice that night and a practice that night and you're going in this first this this mm-hmm. morning and she's like you need to take care of yourself so my parents were definitely like like slow down yeah and you know and i get whipped up and just like I don't know what you do. and, and i don't have time to exercise and my mom's like you make time to exercise <laughs> <laughs> you make time um okay all right i get it better now all right um yeah so i, I mean do you know any other people with type one besides your brother I do. I have, I had a girlfriend, she's out of the area now, but she was someone I was not super close with, but we definitely, she worked at the gym and I go and we talk about different things Mm -hmm. and 
she was the one that sent me to my primary care that I'm with now. And she was a really great person, just very upbeat. And then recently I met someone on Instagram and she's just a few hours away from us. So we've connected a couple times in the past year and we'll talk about stuff. Good. That's cool. Okay. So now I'm going to go back to when you said you were in a bad relationship. Yeah. Um, and in your note to me, you said you, you want to talk about being in therapy as well, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when, I mean, does therapy come first? Does the bad relationship come first? Like how, like how, was there like some naivety? Uh, uh, na- na- oh, na- what's the word? 100%. Yeah, yeah. So you had, you were a naive person coming into like an adult world. And yeah. kind of tell me what happened there. So... Yet another person I met at the gym. So he was at the gym and I was, I don't know exactly how it came up. Oh, I'm a little clumsy. Okay. (laughs) So I was up in this like upstairs area and it was just the two of us and we're on different machines and I got off my machine and I ate, I fell, I hit my knee, my ankle rolled. I'm just like sitting on the floor like, oh God get me up quick so i get up and he's he's like are you all right is everything okay and i'm like oh i'm good like <laughs> that was so embarrassing and he introduced himself and then i introduced myself and that was it and then you know the weeks went by the a month went by he started chatting with me and we're just you know small talk mm-hmm. found out he had a daughter talked to her a little bit and then one week he was like would you want to go out? And my answer, I don't date, (laughs) you know, and explaining that to people is just like slightly (laughs) awkward, which I was very good at it. Why did you put me in that moment? Why, why were you a person who didn't date? I think it was growing up. I didn't do it. The people I were with didn't date in the regular sense of the word. And so I just, it was, I had a quick answer. I was like, look, I don't date. I'm waiting for uh, waiting for someone. I, like, how do you explain that to people? I don't it's know. Like- I'm, I'm asking you to explain to me because I don't <laughs> understand what you're talking about. You're waiting for what? You're waiting for basically someone to come into the church. Ah, okay. You're waiting. Okay. See, now I understand. That you, I- want, you want someone that's involved. And so my answer to him was, I go, I want someone that's, you know, building in the church that I'm building in, doing the same things, basically like mm-hmm. wanting someone whose life aligns with mine. Yeah. And and so he's like, oh, okay, well, where's your church? And I was like, oh, such and such. And he's like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll come. Amy, and I was like, Amy, you must have looked really good in those workout clothes. This is a mistake. <laughs> You're making a mistake right away. This, this, yeah. I know. You know what a divining <laughs> rod is? No. No. Oh, hold on a second. It's this thing you hold out, it leads you? No. <laughs> I think I know what his was. All right. So, um, <laughs> you've never heard divining rod? No. But I think I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, in, uh, attempts they they used to use them to try to find it's ridiculous. Like to use, it's a forked rod believed to indicate the presence of water or minerals, especially by dipping downward when held over a vein. Like people would walk around with them in front of them, and they thought it led them to things. 
a, divi- okay. a divining rod. And I'm just, yeah. I'm saying, penis. Yeah. You understand what I'm getting at. It, oh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he goes to the trouble. Why? Wow, he really did want to have sex with you. He went to the trouble <laughs> of going to your church. So he did. So the first Sunday he came by himself. Oh, and I didn't tell him that was my dad's. My dad's the pastor. <laughs> okay. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll bring that up that later. little piece of yeah. information. And so afterwards, he's like, you didn't tell me that your dad was the pastor. I'm like, I didn't think I knew to do. <laughs> so anyway, so he comes. And then he comes again. And then he comes again. And it was super awkward because I just have everyone in my life like, why is he here? Why are you talking to him? Why are you know, like, just like, oh, I am so uncomfortable. And up until that point, like, I had guy friends, I had, you know, the people and I had, I easily, I don't have an issue like talking with guys. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, this is so different than anything I've ever dealt with before. I don't even know how to act. And so my dad's like, well, why don't, why don't we have a talk? Cause like, if you're wanting to date her. And so he started meeting with my dad (laughs) and, um, and just talking about different things. And my dad's like, well, like, what's your, you know, what's your outlook on, on church and God and all those things. Um, and his parents are Christians and very, very good and kind people. I'm still in contact with his mom. She's an angel. (laughs) Then we ended up swapping emails one week. Cause I was just like, dude, I cannot handle talking to him in front of like with these women standing next to me, like talking to him. So, so, so they didn't like that you brought in somebody from the outside. I think they just didn't. Yes. But mm-hmm. I think it was more like, why is he here? Like, is he just here for, That's a you know, a lot of effort to have sex with you many, many weeks in a row. Oh, yeah. Oh, but that no must months. Have, but, oh, months. months. But that must have been impressive to you. Right. That he kept coming back. Oh. A hundred percent. It yeah. like like my heart slowly melted. I yeah. was like, okay. oh, right. someone cares. It's so not how- from our church. Okay. So how does this go wrong? He put in. So- what did he do? So things progressed, and we um, started emailing each other, mm-hmm. and we're emailing back and forth. And now looking back at it, it's like, oh, I had rose colored glasses on, and I wasn't seeing red flags, like. I was looking at this situation of like someone actually wants me, mm-hmm. like someone wants to get to know me. And I was just like, you know, kind of besides myself, like they're actually doing the work. Yeah. Like m- maybe this will work. And one of the things why I think the relationship lasted as long as it did is I told my parents at one point, like he was my last shot. Like I, I was looking at it. Oh, Amy, you are, but you're lovely. Why, why do you think that? I don't know. Because I, I, <laughs> I made it to 30 years old and I was like, oh God, I'm going to die alone and get to buy more cats. More cats. Oh my gosh, Amy. No, I, I, in my, it, listen, it just seems to me like you were swimming in too small of a pool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, and you just weren't yeah. seeing enough people and you weren't seeing the person you were looking for in that group. That yeah. doesn't mean that there's yep. no one for you. Just you were too limited. And yeah. Okay. Aww. And so, and then it, it was a little, now looking back again, a little bit of a love bombing, like him telling me like, you are the person that I've been waiting for my entire life, mm-hmm. you know? And then 
I think I love you came out too quickly. Okay. And then having him tell me like, I want to marry you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I thought I didn't want any more kids, but I'd, I'd want to have kids with you. You know, so he said all the right things that just made me go like, oh, this is it. This is finally, this right. is the person I've been waiting for my yeah. whole life. And how long does it take to figure out that's not true? Well, things started. So we're, so we're talking and I wasn't telling people that I was talking to him. Mm -hmm. So my parents didn't know. My friends didn't know. I'm just like having these emails and you know, text conversations, occasional phone calls, and we're talking about everything. And so then it got to the point where we started meeting up and you know, you know where this leads, uh -huh. you know? So like a few months later, we started meeting up and then we're, you know, and then at this point we're July, August, September. So we're like about five months in at this point. And I'm just like, I feel uneasy. I'm lying to everyone around me. So I'm like, that's kind of like partially killing me. But I'm like, okay, we'll get past it because he's going to marry me and then everything will be okay, mm -hmm. you know. And so we continued on and things just slowly started to deteriorate. And he'd not message me back. There was a lot of instances where I was like, I'd ask a question and then I wouldn't hear from him for a while. And I was like, okay, this is weird. You know, and then his daughter started coming to the school that we had. So I was her teacher in a couple of the classes. Mm -hmm. So I'm working with his daughter. And then the, at, at one point, both of them got baptized. So that was even more like. It seemed like he was in for it. Yeah. He was he was there and he was ready to do the work. And I understood like you can't have a full life outside of that environment and then come in and be like click yeah. it, it takes you know time to understand what things mean do you think that after he acquired you that he lost interest and went off to acquire something else i felt that way and so we so it was about i think about seven months and then we finally slept together mm. and so you know and me with like i mean he it was luckily, it was nice that it wasn't like a weird situation, but I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I'm like, oh, my God. I thought you were going to say, I didn't know which end was up, which would have been hilarious, Amy. But never mind. Um, did this happen through a sheet? <laughs> you, yes. Did it? Wait, did you like, you didn't, like, I don't know what religion you are. Uh, Non-denominational. It's, uh, we are, have a background with like, Kind of the Presbyterian, okay. Pentecostal-ish. And then it got more into a Lutheran, not a Lutheran church, but like a Lutheran, Martin Luther mm. um, from the Reformation. And just more of a reformational yeah, I mean, you're, you're describing you're describing a courtship from the 1800s in 1920. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, Scott, I realize that. <laughs> it's first awkward. We, first we talked. And then we took a walk together. <laughs> then and my, then we held hands. Then he came to church and met my father. And, oh, my um, God. Yes. And I then know. we spent more time at social events. <laughs> Once we danced. It was, <laughs> it was very exciting. <laughs> and eight years later, I let him see my flower. <laughs> but with the lights off. And <laughs> yeah. 
Um, oh, I will say I clicked into things pretty quickly. So. <laughs> it didn't take much. So we're obviously created to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> Amy's like, I have my uh, OnlyFans now. And so, <laughs> no, I, I made that up. You don't have an OnlyFans account. Uh, um, oh, you don't know that. I don't. I guess I don't really. So I did, don't. Did it have like, I don't want to be like. Like out of an '80s like rom com, but did like did that process light a fire? Were you like, hey, let's do that more? And oh just, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I I I felt, and this is this is very toxic, but I felt like that was my connection to him, mm-hmm. and that's what obviously he wanted. And so if I could have that short amount of happiness where everything was okay, like great like let's do it as much as possible because i felt connected to him and like he like he really cared like yeah you know and what was kind of awful leading up to it because i was just very much like no i'm not ready for this i'm not ready for this i'm not ready for this and he was understanding you know and obviously i made him wait a while and then at one point he's like you got to understand i have needs too and that comment was what made me go, oh, I'm just, maybe I'm being selfish. Like, maybe I'm just, like, yeah. And so that partially led into it, I think, just that that really pricked me. What occurs to me is that you basically had the sexual understanding of a 15-year-old, and you were were dating a guy in his 30s. And his 40s. Oh, my God, please. I listen. I've been married for I don't even know how long. I can do the math for you real quick. 2016, <laughs> and then there's four more, twenty four and twenty. I've been married almost twenty seven years, and uh, my wife is working downstairs. And when you and I get done with this, I'm going to go downstairs, and every effort I make is going to be about having sex. <laughs> it won't work out, but that's not the point. <laughs> and so, um, it, it just yeah. It, so you don't know all that about boys. And he's well. Now I do. Yeah, now you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so oh wow. And so you had this. And so you. Oh, that's where I'm going to go back to what you said. So when he hit you with the "I have needs" thing, yeah. Instead of going, I don't care. I'm worried about me first. You were like, right. oh okay, sorry. Oh, people pleaser. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had. I think one of the toxic toxic things from my past is just I had I wanted people to be happy with me, you know, and everyone I think it's difficult when everyone likes you and you just float by in life. And my dad had said this at one point. He's like, Amy, you are gonna hit a time in your life where people just don't like you for you being you. Like you have to not prove it to them, but like you're gonna hit people that don't just don't sync up with you. And up until that point, I hadn't had that. I just was happy-go-lucky and people like me and I'm outgoing and I can talk and Mm -hmm. do all these things. And then you hit a relationship where you're like, what if, what if they don't like me for me? Yeah. You know, and I had never hit that point up until then. And so- but this is I you. Think- I'm talking to you right now, though, right? Like, this is how you... I mean, you seem, like, jovial and pleasant, and you're animated yeah. and thoughtful, and, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just... You just shel- You were just sheltered. Uh-huh. That's really it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. because there's... I mean, 
there are going to be plenty of people who like your personality. And I don't see why you, I, I, I understand. I think I understand what you're saying. Your dad said, not that you have to bend who you are, but, no. the, but that yeah. people might not naturally be like, Oh, this is, and you might have dealings with them business or yeah, or something where you have to be a little more amenable to what they're looking for. Yeah. But, but you applied that to your like dating. So, yep. so there's some, there's a there's a tipping point in there between like waiting for good reasons and waiting too long. Right? Like like to get involved in like a like a romantic relationship, like do you feel like you waited too long? No, I feel I feel like everything was so unconventional and so you know, like again, we're 6 months into a relationship and people didn't know I was talking, meeting up with him, talking Mm -hmm. behind the scenes, like the people in my life that I had been so close with my entire life, I I wasn't being honest with them. And it was because I was afraid of what people had to say. And I was afraid that they wouldn't think he was good enough. I was afraid, you know, and that wore on him. Mm -hmm. And it just, it got to the point where he was like, I can't deal with this. Like, this is too much. Yeah. You also didn't have any practice. Like, I can't tell you how valuable it would have been at 16, 17, 18 years old to just date a boy and for that boy to start being a little too aggressive and you'd be going like, get away from me. Like, like you having the power because you would have been more mature at that point than the boy. And like, you would have had an opportunity to express yourself and grow and say, I don't have to say yes just because this guy tells me he has needs. Because trust me, if a 17-year-old boy would have like groped at you and been like, I have needs, you would have been like, I don't care. And like, Yeah, right. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and you didn't get to have that experience. No. Yeah. And I think it was difficult too, because I was like, again, this is it. This is my last chance. He has put in the time. He's put in, you know, the work. He's doing it. Like, I... I took it on as like, I have to make this work out. Mm -hmm. And whether that was, you know, giving him gifts or whatever, you know, I, I bought his daughter things for school. I, I was just like, I'm a hundred percent in and I will give anything and do anything. And I'm here for you. And if you need that emotional support, I'm here for you. And I think he really had a hard time just emotionally opening, opening up. Mm -hmm. And he'd get angry and, you know, again, I wouldn't hear from him for a while or he'd lash back. And I, you know, was like so sensitive at that point because I'm just like carrying all this bullshit around. Mm. And so after that, it was a very short period where he finally told me, like, I can't do this anymore. I'm leaving the church. I'm taking my daughter. We're going to go, you know, we're not coming to church anymore. I... So he met with my dad, told my dad he loved me, and but just couldn't deal with the bullshit anymore. And he ended up leaving and cutting me off. Like we, you know, we met and we're like, I go anything, like anything to make this work out. And he just was like, No, I'm done. I can't deal with it anymore. This is it's all, over. All over sexual incompatibility. Or just the pressure of being in the church and around the pressure. Yeah. The pressure. Okay. Yeah. I think that had a lot to do with it because we actually it was amazing. You're it was doing great. All right there. But okay. right. yeah, like that was that was not an issue. But the issue was just, I guess, 
how much he had to give and how much, you know, and then I was looking at myself going, am I asking of too much? Am I asking him to change who he is? Am I? So I'm overthinking everything, just going like, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe like the, you know, like this is why I'm still single at 32 years old. And it really planted just an unhealthy seed in my mind of like, oh, that confirms. That confirms everything I always thought. See, from I obviously don't know every second of your life, but just from having this conversation for an hour, it seems to me like you're in an ecosystem that is just, it, it's just uncomfortable for outsiders. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and you, it sounds like you tried to mesh with it and it just, it, it didn't, didn't work. It didn't work out for him. Yeah. yeah. Would that make, would that make you consider like, branching out getting outside of oh, that bubble i haven't finished the story oh, yet okay <laughs> I'm, I'm, is, is this is this what a therapist told you no so oh. what happened is he ended up leaving and then completely cut me off and was like we can't talk for a certain amount of time mm-hmm. i'll contact you when i'm ready to talk again so i'm just like grasping for you know like anything i just i just want like him to respond to me and so he completely cut me off and I snapped. So the nine, 10 months of me not talking about it, not, you know, and so he's leaving the church. My parents are like apologizing to me, but my mom and dad don't know about what was going on. They don't, they don't know everything that led up to this. And the night that we said goodbye, basically I came home and I was a train wreck. So I told my parents I met up with him and he said he's leaving. And my dad's like, yeah, I know. I talked to him, which I already knew. And I said, I, I'm just tired. I need to I need to go go to bed early tonight. And so I I went in my bedroom. I took a large amount of insulin. I turned my phone off so the Dexcom wouldn't be on. And I went to bed. I think I took I think I took like a melatonin or something and I was just like I don't want my parents to know how awful I'm doing. I am done with everything that's going on. Mm. And I can't deal with this anymore. Wow. And so I took it and I fell asleep. And I woke up to my parents shoving stuff in my mouth and I was like that didn't work (laughs) is that really what you thought yes oh my gosh i was like (laughs) that wasn't good enough and i was trying to make it look like it was an accident or like you know i just had a bad low i didn't want them to know and about i don't know a few days later i did it again and Mm. i was like i just don't want them to know how bad i'm doing And again, somehow my mother, who can like feel when my blood sugars are off, comes in, tests my blood sugar. And I don't, I think my dad may have given me a partial glucagon at that point. Like he didn't do the full one, but like a partial draw with a smaller needle. So I woke up again. And then the next day I told my dad, I was like, dad, I need to talk and just dumped everything. Mm -hmm. And and told him like I don't want you to tell mom, but I both lows were on purpose, and 
And I'm like, I just don't have the energy to keep going. And it was about social and, and personal stuff. It had nothing to do with your diabetes. No, yeah. no. My diabetes was was doing okay. Like right. I was doing pretty good considering at that point, I had such stomach issues that I wasn't eating like whole foods. I was like drinking blender smoothies for like breakfast, lunch, and then I'd eat a little dinner. So I had dropped like 12 pounds. So I was like probably at the smallest weight that I had ever been at, you know, and people are starting to comment on that. I'm like, I think I had hypothyroidism stuff going on because I was like not able to go to the bathroom for like a week to, Mm -hmm. you know, five days to a week. And so I'm like, my stomach is just completely. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I'm dealing with all this stuff with, you know, like the, with my ex leaving. And then I just, it just, it was like everything piled on at once. Do you think you were, do you think you really wanted to die? I did. Yeah. 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 Have you felt like that since then? I've had a couple times, not recently, not in the past couple years, but I had a few times after that um, where I just was like, I can't do this. This is so much work on top of the diabetes, on top of dealing with the, you know, my whole relationship on top of like, it just felt like the shovel kept going like, oh, guess what? You have hypothyroidism. Oh, guess what? You Now you're, now you're on medication for this. And so I just, I was so worn down and physically, emotionally, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want people to know. And then obviously it like got out there and there was like people like, we need to have an intervention, you know, and they didn't know the stuff that was going on with my past relationship, but they're like, obviously Amy's not doing well. Oh God, did they put you in a circle at the church? We had some meetings, not with everybody. Luckily, everyone didn't know, even though everyone knew that something was going on because I was not myself. I mean, like you see me as this like upbeat, like bubbly person. And I was like, I was a zombie and I had just started um, antidepressants. And so I had never been like that where I was just like, I like, I don't give a shit about anything. Like I'm just, I was a zombie. Yeah. Do you still take the antidepressants? I do, yeah, I do. Is it a different balance? Like, was it out of balance in the beginning? It was, yeah, I think it was just that I had never taken anything before. And so I got on it and it was like, slow down, Amy. You are going to be like a normal person instead of a squirrel on caffeine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My gosh, that's crazy. I, I appreciate you sharing that. I didn't realize that by the way, like from your notes or any of the conversations, I didn't know that that had happened to you. Yeah. Um, did the guy ever, did he ever call back and say, I'm ready to talk? So then a few months went by, no contact. And I, I did text him that, that the, about the attempt mm. and he ended up trying to contact my dad. And so my dad ends up finding out. And I think that's how it ended up all coming out. Now that I'm thinking back, like he contacted my dad because I was like, I, you know, I attempted suicide Mm -hmm. and I want to do it again. And so, you know, he, he did care, but just not enough to deal with me. (laughs) Well, do you, 
that's not fair. But um, I would. I do. You still feel that way? Yeah. That there's more. <laughs> there's more. You're that you. You feel like you're too much for some people. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Well, what about the guy you're with now? Uh, he's amazing. Yeah. If I could go back though, so my my best friend ends up getting engaged, got married six weeks later, and I was at that point just like I couldn't deal with it anymore. Like people didn't really knew what know like about everything, and I was just like, I'm done pretending. I I'm done, mm-hmm. and so I. Four days after that, packed a bunch of stuff up from my parents' house, and I moved out that same day, moved in with an older couple friend of mine that just kind of took me under their wings, and I was like, I'll figure this out. I don't know what I'm going to do, and I didn't say goodbye to anyone. I mean, to my parents, and I wasn't saying goodbye to them, but I left all my friends and all the families and everyone who I had grown up with without even saying goodbye. I just left. Was that helpful? Yes and no. I mean, I was still struggling so badly. And again, you know, my ex would like contact me, not contact me. We'd hook up. I ended up paying for this vacation for us so that we could go to Lake Tahoe for a little bit and, you know, and just, it was so toxic and, you know, he was using me. Yeah. And then I was just grasping, grasping for like, please, mm. like, please, like, I love you. I'll do anything for you. And so that relationship went on like that, where he cut me off and then we talk again and we hook up and then he stopped talking and like, Amy, you know, stop this or, you know, stop getting so emotional about things. Sometimes, And he said, sometimes you can... <laughs> you're too much. Mm. And he's like, you say, I love you too much. And it's hard for me. Cause I don't want to say it back to you. Uh, so I'm, I'm sorry. That's horrible. But he's using you for sex then. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And then, you know, and things came out li- just recently, actually, like he was with someone else at one point. Yeah. That's how it sounds. That's how it sounded. It sounded like when he was having a down point with someone else, he'd, and and that worked perfectly on you because you'd get isolated and then mm-hmm. want more because of the isolation. And then he'd open the door back up. You'd run back through. And when he was yeah. done or or whatever, he'd then he'd isolate you again. Well, yeah. That's terrible. You yeah. know, and then just small things like not not even saying anything on my birthday. And I'm like, Hey, it's my birthday. And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But I have such and such and da, da, da. Like he just, he didn't want to be in a relationship and I couldn't let it go. I was like, I will do whatever it takes. Because you thought he was the only chance. Yes. And I, I really did care about him. I mean, I still do in a slight way, but I just, it was so difficult and I, I wouldn't, I refuse to let it go. And I was like, I will just, I'm going to do whatever it takes. So, you know, fast forward a little bit later, he gets a job offer out of state. And so I was like, I'll do whatever it takes to help you move and whatever. And Mm -hmm. so I ended up helping him pack and 
cleaning his, I cleaned his apartment. He stored stuff at my apartment. And the last, I gave him money, a good sum of money. And wasn't the first time I had lent him money either. And so then at that point, I ended up taking a vacation and drove to Utah. So it was 15 hours away and had a trailer with his stuff in it, dropped it off at his place, you know, was there for a little bit. And at one point I said, if I were to move here, could even not living with you, could we make this work out? Like I go, I would do anything for you. I would give you, if you needed my kidney, I'd give you my kidney. Like, and then he goes, you know, I just can't be in relationships. Yeah, but that's not, I mean, it doesn't sound like that's the whole thing. It sounds like he's just, they just continued to use you. That's all. Like yeah. it's, yeah. You know, and, and so yeah, and you I just, snapped. Yeah. Well, I would bet because it, it really does. I'm going to go back to this again. It sounds like, and I don't mean this in an insulting way. It sounds like I'm being told a story by an 18 year old girl who's going out with a 40 year old guy. And yeah. like, you're having all the angsty like problems that you would have because yeah. this was your first time. Yeah. Yeah. And no one around you lived through these sorts of things either. So no one could just say that to you. Like, Amy, stop. Yeah. Go meet a different boy and yeah. try again. You know what I mean? Oh, and they didn't even know. I had yeah. kept it secret. Keep it to so on top of all yeah. that. Okay. I'm sorry. So so when he says no when you're out in Utah, that doesn't go well, right? No. I made him dinner and cleaned his apartment because, you know. Just keep giving. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Amy, I want to tell you something. If you took me to Lake Tahoe, I'd be way nicer to you. <laughs> I mean, that just seems decent. Um, but but oh, so even after wow, you realize you're not okay. Then when do you when do you realize when do you know? Oh, I, I had known this for. Uh, since I left it, since I walked away from like the church family and my friends, okay. I had known things weren't good. Right. And in 2020, I ended, I started self-harming because I was just like, I can't, like, I have so much like pent up, not rage, but like so much stuff going on. I just couldn't handle it. And I was watching a romance movie, which I really don't enjoy anymore. Mm -hmm. And I ended up getting a razor blade and cutting myself. And it was like a relief. Like, oh, okay. Like, and then I continued to do that. And, you know, you know and it progressively like got worse and worse. Like yeah. I was in the winter. And so I was like keeping my arms covered and I did it in an area where everyone could see if I didn't have, if I had a t-shirt on. So it was like, you know, stupid well, if I was trying to keep it a secret. Yeah, so I've had that explained to me in the past. Like there's the tiny release, right? When you, yeah. when you harm yourself, but it doesn't last long enough to be valuable. Yeah. So you have to do it again to get the release yeah. again. Okay. Yeah. And okay. Is there any point? Because now you're by yourself and you're doing this, yeah. right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. how do you get to help? It took, it took a while. I think I was at that point too. I was working seven days a week. Like I was just like, throw yourself into work at least like do something profitable with your time. So I had, I wasn't making friends like, you know, wasn't hanging out with people or going out and partying or going to bars or anything. I just was working 
and working and, you know, had a few friends that I had made. I had worked in um, a con- 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 with a general contractor in town restoration, fire and water damage restoration, and had friends from there. And so I did have people and the couple that took me in are two of the most amazing people, mm-hmm. Fred and Linda. And they are just, they were rocks when I needed them, like a second, they're second parents to me. And so I had her encouraging me, like, you're doing good. Just keep, keep doing the work. Like this relationship isn't really working out. So she was kind of telling me things that my parents had been telling me all along, but I couldn't hear. And so the cutting continued that, that did continue into, even when I met my boyfriend that I'm with now, like I was still doing it. And he was like, Amy, we got to stop this. We got to figure something out for this. And, um, it's, it's gotten better. I, so I ended up after the whole thing, I drove back from Utah. I cried the entire drive home (laughs) Mm -hmm. and got back home, went to work the next day you know, and told everybody what happened at work, just like, this is what happened. And they're like, Amy, you're better off. Like you need to close that door. And so I went for a year without contact. And that in itself was a really big deal for me. Like that showed me, showed myself, like, you can do this. Like you can get past this. And through our work, we have this therapy online therapy thing. And so I ended up signing up for it and met this wonderful woman who is based in Reno and was doing sessions with her once a week. And that was just so helpful because it was someone who is not attached and didn't just like hate my ex's guts Mm -hmm. because of the way he treated me, but someone that I could talk through how I was feeling and, you know, the feeling like I'm not enough. And, you know, it, it just, it opened doors that I was like, oh, I never thought of that. Like, oh, the people pleasing. Oh, I've been doing that for so long or caring what so much about what others think. Oh, that is, that's from my past. And so that therapy just kind of was like a, yeah, saying things like, out loud is helpful, especially if you grew up pretending everything was always perfect. Then, I mean, because it isn't like nothing's perfect, so yeah. you're you're pretending if you if you're acting like it is, and then you don't know how to cope with like I don't know sadness, emotional pain, like when you get mad or stressed out or anything like that. You have no coping skills really. Yeah, and, and then you yeah. and then you get put in this situation with this guy, and you have nothing but a need for those coping skills, and you have absolutely none of them. Yeah, and then that spirals right. Yes. And it was hard for me too. I think I did talk to my therapist about my relationship with my parents because I love my mom and dad and they've been so supportive and like, Amy, anything that you need, we are there for you. Whether that's, you know, your therapy, your diabetes stuff, you're just like, we're here. We're, we're, we want to support you. We want you to keep living. And it's so hard because I walked away from something that I had grown up in my whole life. And it was basically kind of a little bit of like an F you to them. Like I'm done, I'm out. And so it made it, it has made it hard for me knowing like, I know my parents care. I know they love me. I know, but like, did I drive a wedge? Did I, 
you know, and they would say, no, you haven't. Like, we love you. I know what my mom and dad would say, Mm -hmm. but I still just have this, like, I'm not fully, like, their family is the church and I'm not a part of that. So I'm not a part of their family. Yeah. I think maybe, I mean, from my perspective, what, what seems like it would hurt to me is that they created a world that you don't fit in well. Like, that's not like, I, you know, you could make the case that they drove the wedge by doing that. Not on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, you're just rescuing yourself from it. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, I listen, I don't care how people worship or what. Like, I have no. But, I mean, you're telling a story of a scenario where you just don't fit, like, at all. And it, and it retarded a lot about your growth. You know, like you didn't you didn't meet people outside of that bubble. So you didn't have like dating experiences until you were older. You don't know how to cope with things because you weren't put in those situations. You're pretending everything's okay all the time, which obviously it can't be like, you know, I think the only I I think the the most sane thing that you've described is leaving that situation. Yeah. And it's difficult, too, because there are a lot of good things that came out of it. I I have a really good work ethic driven. I really enjoy just helping people and serving and giving and but I did have to stop and go I am so willing to give and do anything for anyone else but I'm not doing that for myself yeah right yeah you're not helping yourself and feel like I don't deserve it right and you could have put that effort into yourself for sure and you obviously deserve it so yeah I, I don't know just to me it sounds like it sounds like you were in a situation that was pushing you in this direction and you know I, I understand yeah. why it was so hard to stop doing it. Um, yeah. So where are you? Like, how old are you now? You're 35. This, a lot. Oh, of, yeah. This is fairly recent. All of this. It's all recent. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's so weird because it is, and I don't mean this. Like, I know you don't take it this way, but like, I don't mean it in an insulting way. Like, part of it sounds like a story. Like, seriously, like a 20 year old would tell me. Like, yeah. I met a guy, and this happened. And he took advantage of yeah. me, and I didn't know any better. And but you know, like, like that stuff. Except. Well, that, is that hard? Like to feel like you? Yeah. Like yeah, it is. Like, I mean, and I've I've grown. I've grown a lot oh, in I the imagine. last yeah. year, even the last year, year and a half. But it it is difficult because it's like now and then you're coming into an environment where you're like, I'm the newbie. I'm third. <laughs> I'm in my thirties, but I have like nothing, no coping skills for these situations. Right. You know, and so that that was difficult. Yeah, no kidding. So did you find somebody who knows that life and you're dating him? Or is it somebody outside of it who's just like a like such a decent person that they're willing to help you? So I I am no longer I when I left the church, mm-hmm. I didn't go back. So I have never been back in the last since 2019. Mm-hmm. I am very close with my parents still. I visit them all the time, but I just, I I guess there's shame in it because I left the way I did and all the things that led up to it. So I, I walked away from everyone I knew. Yeah. But I say, who cares? Like, seriously, like, I mean, I, I mean, if you're going to feel shame, I can't stop you, but you shouldn't. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's nothing. Right. Shame. There's nothing. There's it, it's the opposite of that. It's you should. It's laudable that you did that. I mean, that's a hard thing. Also, we're not saying it, but your parents not guilting you about it is also very kind. Yes. Like they just let you do it, right? 
They didn't, yeah. you know, they didn't give you crap about it or try to make you feel bad or try to bring you back. That's mm-hmm. really loving too. Yeah. yeah. I think it, what it indicates to me is that they didn't, I think that world they set up for themselves really works well for them. And it sounds like they were like, it doesn't work for Amy. So, okay, good. Don't let her go do what works for her. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it worked until it didn't. And that's like kind of weird. And like, I don't know how to explain that better than that. Well, but like, you were it was younger. fine yeah, you until were younger. it wasn't. Because you were younger yeah. and you weren't having interpersonal relationships with people and you weren't like acting on sexual feelings and like, you know what I mean? Like you weren't doing, yeah. you know, you weren't doing all the things you were like a, like a half version of a person, like you were doing yeah. some of the stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. But yeah, I mean, so, I mean, look, I, I can't help you, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, <laughs> well, feel, you have. but you shouldn't feel bad about that. Thank you. So you should be, you should be proud of yourself, honestly. You know, Thank you. I'm getting to that point where I'm like, okay, I'm, I survived. Yeah. <laughs> I've made it this far. Yeah. It's, 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 it, it doesn't even sound like there's anything like bad that you were running from it other than a place where you just didn't fit well. Yeah. And you were trapped there because of the insulated nature of how they have it set up. Yep. I got you. Okay. Well, good for you. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you're not still, cu- are you still cutting now? I self-harmed a couple months back. I was burning. I, I would take a, cigarette lighter and heat up a bobby pin and just sear myself i am trying not to do it it's gotten less and less over the last you know i mean once in the last eight months right um if not longer and you look back and see what precipitated that was it something super stressful or yeah there was like a couple situations that came up and i was just like it, 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 it ignited stuff from the past. Yeah. So, but otherwise, talk therapy helps with that. It does. Yeah. I just I have some really good friends. I also have my boyfriend, who's probably it's funny because he his name's and he's everything that I wanted. Oops, you're gonna bleep that out. I, can ble- I oh. wanted him to be right, and that's what is to me. Nice. That's and great. so well, I'm, yeah. exci- I'm excited for you. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. We met on our first date because I was like, I actually had a ticket to Austin because I was planning on relocating. And mm-hmm. I'm like, get me out of here. I don't care where I go. I had visited Colorado Springs. I was going to go to Austin, Texas. And I had the ticket and we met and went on our first date. And then I was like, dad. I don't know if I want to go to Austin, Texas. <laughs> I want a refund on my plane ticket. <laughs> and so he's like, Amy, you can do that later Anytime. in the month or late later in the year. Yeah. Like, why don't you see how this works out? And so we met and on my date, I told him I was still in love with my ex. <laughs> so I was like, I got to let the, I got to lay the cookies out here. Like you got to know everything. Cause you might want to walk away really fast. <laughs> Are you, were you trying to um, sabotage it, do you think? Or did you want to test him? I think I just wanted him to know everything. I was like, I went through a relationship where I held back so much of my feelings. I was like, I'm putting it all out on the table. Right. I told him about the self-harm. I hold, told him about the suicide attempts. This is like a first date. And I was just <laughs> like, I'm not bullshit. 
my way through this and like waiting for dates in and then being like, oh, BTW. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm imagining you unloading this stuff. He's still taking off his jacket and you're like w- wondering where the waitress is. And <laughs> we, we need drinks. <laughs> when is when are our nachos coming? And on and then I did this and then <laughs> and he's just like, "Oh god." And so he ended up so he ended up coming over. We hooked up and he legitimately like never left. <laughs> so I went from one relationship and there was time in between into this next one but it clicked something was different right and if i if our first date hadn't gone the way it did i probably would have just gone like okay cool that was a great date like we're done Mm -hmm. but just the kindness of He's so thoughtful. He's sat with me on the kitchen floor when I've been bawling my eyes out. Like, he's just there for me. Yeah. Amy, put your microphone down like a half an inch. Also, and we've skirted around it, but you're pretty horny, too. So. (laughs) 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 My mom and dad are going to look Well, I mean, they heard it, too. Like. They, I mean, I'm assuming, we all heard it, Amy. You're trying to pack in ten years worth of, you know, missed opportunities. So, which I don't blame you for. I'm thinking that's a that's a damn good idea. Um, that's hilarious. So you got him, and now you. How long have you guys been together? So we have been together. January fifteenth was a complete year. Mm-hmm. So it's a little over a year. And it's funny because he was like, oh, I knew I wanted to marry you on the first date. I was like, whoa, dude, I told you I loved my ex still. Yeah. Also, Amy, like, make sure you didn't miss that red flag. You want to look into him a little closer, too. <laughs> told him that. I was like, isn't that too soon? And he's like, no, I, I could see who you are as a person. Oh, that's lovely. That's well, good. Very nice. Um, okay, well, I, I guess I'm just going to finish up by asking you. What what is the dream what is the dream you had about me? Oh. <laughs> so, I had a dream. This is so weird. This is like all the everything compiled. So, we were at my old church. Mm-hmm. I, I was you, there? You were there too. Okay. And we were together and we were talking. And you were like asking me about past stuff, but then you were like, "No, I could see myself dating you." And I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay. And so we went to tea and we had tea. And then I ended up waking up and was just like, what in the actual heck was that? You and I had tea together? We had tea together. It's nice. So (laughs) it was lovely. Tea for two or were there other people there? There was a whole group of people, but we were like at the table talking. Yeah. Do you know what you're talking about? I have no idea. No idea. It's hilarious. All right. Well, yeah. I'm glad it wasn't like <laughs> weird. That's fine. I'm okay with us having tea in your dream. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I thank you very much for sharing this. Like it, it comes at a an interesting and strange time because tomorrow there'll be an episode coming out with me and Erica about. It's a discussion about suicidal ideation, like being able to like recognize it and help, and help people. Because I I went 
I don't know how to say this. I, I almost said I went through, but that's not right. I had an experience a few months ago where a listener um, committed suicide. Oh. And then I had connection with their family for a little bit. And it, yeah. it made me want to do this episode to tell people what to look for. Do you think yeah. if people would have known what to look for, could they have seen it in you? Were you withdrawing, like that kind of stuff? Yes, but I was hiding stuff so well. Mm -hmm. Like my mom and dad knew stuff was going on, but they didn't know how how bad it had gotten. Yeah. They were worried. <laughs> my mom. My mom called it suicide watch. She's like, I've been on suicide watch for the last, like, however long. But they, I think they knew. I don't think they knew how bad it was. Right. I just, I, I didn't, I didn't want anyone to know. I wanted it to be an accident. Hi, baby. My talking, cat's meowing. I was going to say, you're talking to a cat, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I just, it's just been. I don't know. It's been it's been weird talking about this this stuff because again, like you you are now you're not even the first person that's told me that they've given themselves too much insulin. And yeah. and I'm you know, I've made this point in the past, but I was just the guy who was like, "Well, I'm going to make a podcast about diabetes so people like know how to like you know, bolus. free bolus and stuff like that." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so things have gotten beyond what I expected. Um, and I escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, I always feel really grateful that people are willing to tell stories like this because I know how much it helps other people when they hear it. And in ways yeah. you don't even expect, you know, like yeah. it'll help parents to look out for things. It'll help adults say like, oh, I, I maybe I should be looking into this for myself and and all other different kinds of ways. Plus, it just I don't know, it just gives me more of a perspective on the outside. It gives me this podcast gives me what you didn't have growing up, which is a look into how a lot of other people do things. Yeah. You know, so I feel like that's been, I'm just, I'm so thankful for you and oh, I being, being able to have something that I'm like, Oh, there's someone else out there that's struggling as badly as I have been. And I'm just so grateful for you, for Jenny, for my mom and dad yeah. and these people that had taken the time to, to stop and whether it was a podcast or Jenny listening to me and my my dad pain so I could see Jenny and just knowing that there's other people out there mm. that are struggling yeah and like oh I've listened to so many episodes and gone like oh I wish I could talk to talk to that person like oh I wished that like you know, I could tell them this. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing I've seen with your podcast is it draws people together. It just, it's a connection yeah. and like we're humans and we fail and we need help. And this, your podcast is just a platform for that. And well, I'm just, I wanted to say thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for saying that. I, I, I just think of it as, um, you know, it's a way for people not to feel isolated on yeah. on so many different levels and like you said to have a connection to things you just don't have a personal connection to your your example is just so almost cartoonish about how like like you know insulated you were but everyone's insulated yes. to some degree or another you know you just yeah. don't, you don't think of it that way but you are like you, you become an adult you get up and you go to work and you come home and you hit a routine and before you yeah. know it you're not seeing people very often and just at work and 
it, it, it can happen kind of quickly and you, you might not even notice it. So anyway, yeah. uh, I really, I really do appreciate you sharing this with everybody. Thank you. Thank you. I want to start by thanking Amy for sharing that difficult story with us. And I also want to thank Omnipod. Don't forget to check out the Omnipod 5 or the Omnipod Dash at omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. I think you can even take them for a test drive. Go check it out. Let's thank Dexcom, makers of the Dexcom G6 and Dexcom G7 continuous glucose monitoring systems. You can wear the Dexcom G7 just like Arden. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. There are links in the show notes and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Dexcom, Omnipod, and all of the sponsors. When you click on those links, you are supporting the production of the podcast and making it so we can hear more stories like Amy's. Once there was a time when I just told people, if you want a low and stable A1C, just listen to the Juicebox podcast. But as the years went on and the podcast episodes grew, it became more and more difficult for people to listen to everyone. So I made the Diabetes Pro Tip series. This series is with me and Jenny Smith. Jenny is a certified diabetes care and education specialist. She's also a registered and licensed dietitian and a type one herself for over 30 years. And I, of course, am the father of a child who was diagnosed at age two in 2006. The Pro Tip series begins at episode 210 with an episode called Newly Diagnosed or Starting Over. And from there, all about MDI, pre-bolusing, insulin pumping, bumping and nudging, variables, exercise, illness, injury, surgeries, glucagon, long-term health, bumping and nudging, how to explain type 1 to your family, postpartum, honeymoon, transitioning, all about insulin, temp basils. These are all different episodes. Setting your basal insulin, fat and protein, pregnancy, the glycemic index and load, and so much more, like female hormones and weight loss. Head now to juiceboxpodcast.com. Go up in the menu at the top and click on Diabetes Pro Tip. Or if you're in the private Facebook group, there's a list of these episodes right in the featured tab. Find out how I help keep my daughter's A1C between 5'2 and 6'2 for the last 10 years without diet restrictions. Juiceboxpodcast.com. Start listening today. It's absolutely free. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. You know what else? There's a ton more of these After Dark episodes. You can go check them out as well. Look in the private Facebook group under the Feature tab for a full list, or you can go to juiceboxpodcast.com up in the menu, and you'll see After Dark.